to Groundbreakers from 4constructionpros.com, the podcast that highlights the innovative equipment, technology, companies, and individuals that are breaking new ground in the construction industry. My name is Becky Schultz, editor of Equipment Today, and in this episode, Jorgen Pedersen, CEO of RE Squared Robotics, discusses his company's autonomous equipment technology, an add-on system to convert existing machines. He also shares the opportunities and applications for the technology in the construction industry and how it will work in partnership with human operators to enhance safety and efficiency on job sites while also helping to address the operator skills gap. Let's get the scoop with Jorgen now. Before we dive into what is should be a fascinating discussion on automation, I'd like you, Jorgen, to maybe just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to found RE Squared. Sure. Well, uh, thanks, Becky, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, so I, I graduated from Carnegie Mellon University. I got my undergrad and my graduate degree in robotics at Carnegie Mellon. And then I, uh, you know, I started my career uh, as one of the original 12 people at the National Robotics Engineering Center here in Pittsburgh. But then in 2001, uh, I founded RE Squared and I founded it with the idea of keeping humans out of harm's way. And if you look at the vision today, uh, it remains the same. Uh, we are about making the world a safer place through robotics. And the way that we're doing that is by uh, developing these intelligent mobile manipulation systems that empower humans to do their jobs safely and efficiently. And Defense was the early adopter of this technology. Um, but as we continue to move into the commercial markets, uh, especially in looking at construction, there seems to be an appreciation for this military grade technology where these systems are rugged, they're tested, and they're proven. Great. So tell me about how your system works. Can you share how, how it's set up, what it's designed to do, and how it, what sets it apart from other autonomous systems that have been introduced into the market? Yeah, so uh, we, we have several offerings uh, in terms of capability that we can bring to the construction market. Um, one of them is uh, our drop-in, you know, applique kit, if you will, uh, which is uh, uh, in a, a retrofit kit, right, is another word, that you can replicate human capability in the cab of a construction vehicle um, or on an aerial lift platform or even on the outside of a construction vehicle or outside of an aerial lift platform. Uh, but in terms of the, the human-like capability, what's nice about it is it's a drop-in kit. So you can take a, uh, a manned vehicle and turn it into an unmanned vehicle. And then you have the option of, well, you know, I wanna make it either tele-operated where the humans in the loop, they're just remote because it's maybe it's a dangerous task or, uh, you know, this is a repetitive task and there's a shortage of skilled labor. So now we're gonna make it autonomous. Um, so it really gives flexibility and allows you to upgrade legacy equipment by putting in human-like capability um, in, you know, into the environment that was designed for humans. And um, you know, when you're inside a cab, we have our uh, RE squared detect, which is the computer vision, which can perceive the world. And you can, uh, that can allow you, that can help you both from a teleop and an autonomous uh, perspective where 
um, hey, I want to push that button. That's the command that a human gives. And then the robot in the, in the cab will close the loop using computer vision to autonomously press that button. So it's, it, you know, it's following the, the human's uh, input. And then when you get to autonomous, it's still the same technology. It's just now you're starting to add a layer of AI on top of it. And that's what we call R squared intellect. And that's like the, the smarts, right? And uh, that's gonna work in concert with humans taking higher level commands versus direct commands. Um, and you know, that's how our technology works uh, on you know, both inside the cab and then you can take it outside the cab you know, and put it on uh, the outside of an aerial lift platform, for example. Sure. It sounds really fascinating how this is being applied. And can you kind of talk us through what some of the original applications and, and actually the current applications that you are being um, used for in the military currently? Um, uh, you know, what, what are some of the applications that have already occurred and what types of equipment is it being used on? Yeah, so... Uh, we're developing this technology. We're in the R&D phase of this, this fully autonomous applique kit right now. And some of our technology is ready for prime time now from a teleop standpoint, especially if you think from an aerial work platform. But from a uh, putting robotics into the cab of a vehicle uh, and having to perform uh, missions, um, that the, the initial mission that we're working with with the Air Force is... Uh, rapid airfield damage repair. So think about an airstrike, you think about Pearl Harbor when it damaged the airfield and you need to quickly repair it and get your aircraft back up in the air, right? So in that, but there may be ordnance spewing all over the airfield. So it's dangerous. You don't want to send people out there to do it. So you want to have a person, you know, so you could have a teleop system where there's a person in the loop that goes and performs that cleanup of ordnance as well as repairing the runway. Uh, and then, or you could have a fleet of robots where one person is overseeing multiple robots and still handling the edge cases and the error conditions, but the robots are mostly autonomously doing that work. So that's what we're doing with the Air Force. But what was interesting is we were developing this technology and right midstream in the development of the uh, teleoperated portion of this technology, Hurricane Michael hit Tyndall Air Force Base which is where the Air Force Civil Engineering Center resides. And they said, hey, uh, we, you know, as you can imagine on a military installation, there's a lot of dangerous equipment. And when it's, uh, you have debris covering it, you don't want to have a human go and start removing debris around sensitive equipment. So they, we got called to duty, even though the de development wasn't completely done and it wasn't user-friendly yet. We got called to duty, went down and helped with the cleanup of uh, Hurricane Michael. Uh, we quickly installed it into a Genie telehandler and we were able to lift debris off of sensitive, uh, you know, objects. Um, so, it, you know, so it was, it, it was great to see that there's a utility for this, you know, even from a disaster response standpoint. Um, and in terms of the vehicles that uh, we um, have installed it on, we've installed it on so far uh, a Volvo wheel loader uh, we did the Genie telehandler, and now we're working on the CAT skid steer. Or those are the first three. Um, and what's cool is it's the same technology. You're just, you know, taking the seatbelt off of the equipment of one, putting it in another, click, you know, clicking it into the next vehicle, and quickly changing assets from either manned or unmanned, depending upon what your need is. 
That's great. And I think it's fascinating that you had kind of a trial by fire with the disaster response recovery after um, the hurricane. So I think that that is certainly fascinating that you you got to show proof of performance very quickly um, in, in that type of a situation. So it sounds like the technology can be applied across several different platforms of, of machines. What is your vision for how it might be utilized in the construction industry? And how would it be, um, uh, you know, what, what are some of the potential benefits that contractors might be able to gain from installing it into their equipment? Yeah, I think what the, the way that it can be um, applied to the construction industry is that um, it's an add-on capability you already have a wheel loader, you already have a dump truck or an excavator or uh, a, a scissor lift, right? Um, you don't need to buy a whole new, uh, you know, tele-operated scissor lift or tele-operated uh, wheel loader. You don't need to buy a fully autonomous excavator or fully autonomous skid steer. You just buy this add-on capability that can transform um, that equipment from a manned asset into an unmanned, unmanned asset. Um, so what's cool about that is you can, you know, use that equipment in a traditional sense where one day, okay, take it out. And now we're using it because this requires more human intellect to perform this task. Um, or here's a, uh, you know, uh, another type of task where this technology would be really be right for. And the type of, um, you know, the benefits of this technology from that standpoint, determining when to use it and when to not use it, really, if the job is dangerous, if there's risk of losing your life, right, if you, if there's a high chance of injury uh, from when performing a construct, construction job, or if you're seeing tremendous wear and tear on your workforce because it's just a strenuous job and people are having to retire early, um, or if you just simply have a shortage of labor, of skilled labor, right? And you have no, no other solution because you can't, you know, train up someone fast enough to stay on schedule with your construction project, right? These are the core drivers of why you need this technology. Sure, I could certainly see that, you know, with the skills gap, the skills shortage that we've seen in the construction industry, you know, there's been talk about, oh, how robotics are going to take jobs. Well, it's not, that really isn't the case. It's helping to ensure that you can get those jobs done because there's not the available skill sets out there. That's right, exactly. So, I'm Talk us through the install and implementation of this type of technology. How complicated is that to install it into an existing piece of equipment? And are, are you, do you envision that there are certain types of construction equipment where it's going to be better suited for? Um, so the, in terms of uh, installing and implementing it, um, it, 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 it was designed from the ground up to be mobile to be human size, right? Uh, so installing it in a cab, it, it, it doesn't take a lot of uh, manpower to put it in a cab, right? So it's easy to put it in a cab or um, if you're thinking not just in terms of being in a cab, but oh, just mounting arms on the outside of an aerial work platform, right? That's another, it's pretty straightforward to do that. We're talking you know, hours, right, to set up the equipment, not 
oh, you know, we got a month to get this thing set up and ready because it was designed from the ground up to be exactly that, just a quick applique kit, a retrofit kit. You just pop on an existing piece of equipment. Um, so, you know, from an implement state implementation standpoint, it may be a while before we hit the fully autonomous capability, right? The, the, full, the autonomy part is still being worked on, but what's available and ready now is the teleoperation standpoint. So when you're looking at, you know, dangerous, when you're looking at wear and tear, reducing injuries or uh, skilled labor shortages, you can still, um, you know, utilize this capability from a teleoperation standpoint. Um, and, you know, that, that's step one. Step two is you move into a supervisory autonomy role, right, where one skilled worker who has all this domain knowledge is sitting there overseeing, giving high-level commands to uh, a system of robotic uh, workers, right? So the person is still, you still have that knowledge, that, um, you know, that experience and that error handling capability that's just, you know, almost being like a foreman, right, uh, that's helping to guide a construction effort. Um, so that's, that's um, and then eventually you can uh, build up to that fully autonomous for the jobs that, you know, warrant it, right? Okay, it's dangerous, you know, it, you can't find the labor, right? Um, you know, so that's, um, and that, that's true whether you're talking about inside a cab or arms on the outside of a vehicle. Um, and in terms of which vehicles are better, uh, you know, given the extensibility of the technology, the type of vehicle um, really isn't the driver, right? Um, rather, it's, you know, the problem that you're trying to address, right? Is the risk of death high? Are um, workers prone to injuries? Um, are workers retiring because there's too much wear and tear? Um, you know, are there not enough skilled laborers? So these are the questions that are ultimately going to decide which vehicle you put it on. Right. But the beauty of the, the design is it's just like a human. It can go where a human can go and it can be installed quickly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not it's going to be a while before you just, you know, have this, you, you know, uh, jump into the cab of a, uh, of an excavator, you know, at the same speed as a human and start doing a job. That's quite a ways off. But, you know, with a couple hours of installation, you're starting to replicate key functionality quickly, first from a teleoperated standpoint, then supervised autonomy, and then someday full, full autonomy to when we start looking at, you know, addressing major labor shortages. Just curious, when you're looking at technology like this, are you sacrificing anything in terms of capabilities or performance of the machine? Um, no, these systems uh, are should be able to, with especially if they're evolved in concert with humans, right? If they uh, they will become uh, as good at the job, um, you know, over time and working with humans. And I, I honestly believe that humans are humans and robots are going to be working together in perpetuity. You know, robots are not the apocalypse is not coming, right? Uh, you know, humans are incredibly uh, versatile, um, highly intelligent and capable. And uh, what we're doing is augmenting human capability, not replacing it. And 
Um, it's exciting. So really what we're going to see is an evolution of how robots and humans continue to work together. And at the end of the day, it's still going to be a human uh, in control, making those decisions and um, understanding uh, all those nuances and edge cases of, of a job. Absolutely. Absolutely. So looking, since you bring up kind of the, the long-term and how um, the industry is heading, um, do you see this being a, a technology that is going to become increasingly prominent in, especially in certain applications in construction? Do you, how do you envision that autonomy will continue to, to grow over time and become a part of, uh, you know, a collaborative effort between people and machines? Yeah. Um, so the, there's several factors that are uh, driving this trend. You know, we already talked about the skilled labor shortage, um, new safety regulations, um, especially as they relate to the new, you know, uh, you know, the pandemic, right? COVID's having a tremendous impact on the construction industry. Um, and, you know, these labor shortages and the skilled labor um, and the fact that retirements are going to be causing a major gap. Um, there was, um, I think McKinsey and company did a report uh, last year and uh, I think 40, around 40% of uh, construction workers, if I'm remembering right, um, are expected to retire by, there's like 2030, 2031, I think is what it was. And if those workers aren't replaced, we, you know, there's a major problem in the construction industry, right? Um, there's a, we have to augment human labor with technology and robotic technology is one of the ways to make that happen. Um, and I think in that same McKinsey report, so 2,500 um, construction um, folks were uh, leaders, right, were interviewed and there was uh, 70% have now recognized um, the need for major investments in technology and robotics is one of the, the top ones. And, and not only that, there's, there's uh, likely of that scaling right in the next five years. Like it, it's gonna become a reality in the next five years. Um, because really we gotta, we, we just gotta help, help protect the workers that we have, allow them to work longer into their career, retain that knowledge. That's the key for this tech, new technology to come online. Because as I said, you know, moving into the future, you know, robots and humans are gonna be working together very closely. Um, so we need to keep uh, the, you know, the precious skilled labor that we have engaged for as long as we can uh, and allow them to work longer in their career so we can bring this technology to market in the next three to five years. And, um, you know, I think we're on, we're on pace to do that, you know, because we, you know, it's not an all or nothing. It's, you know, incremental um, uh, offerings, right? You, know, you start off with teleoperation. Okay, here are the dangerous jobs, uh, the ones that have a lot of wear and tear. Now, here are the ones that, um, you know, are you know, a little bit, uh, you know, uh, that require like supervised autonomy. And eventually we'll get to this, uh, you know, team of robotic technologies that's being overseen by that foreman 
right? Who still, you know, is controlling the construction development, but is putting all the brawn on the robots. Right. And I think what's going to be interesting is I think you're going to see a new type of workforce development in, into construction because of it, because you're going to see more people who are tech savvy feeling that this could be an opportunity for them to grow. Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation, and I think there's a lot of really great insights that you shared. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about where you think that um, this industry is going to be heading in, in terms of the technology your company offers, or in terms of um, RE2, RE Squared Robotics and, and what the company hopes to achieve going forward? No, I mean, uh, we're excited to be um, entering the construction uh, market. Uh, you know, we we're, we're already have a, a new program uh, spooling up um, that is uh, with the Department of Energy, where we are uh, looking at installation of solar panels, um, you know, during the construction of a solar field. Uh, the time is right for robotics. Uh, what RE Squared is good at is outdoor mobile intelligent manipulation systems, right? And uh, the technology is finally there. That's what we've been focused on for the past 20 years. So um, we live and breathe it. We design this technology from the ground up for that purpose. Um, and it's exciting to see the commonality when you look at construction. We're also in aviation. We're in defense. Uh, when you look at uh, the, and, and we're in medical, when you look at these um, uh, markets, there's a common thread across, across all of them. And it, and it focuses in on uh, these human-like intelligent manipulation systems, what we build. Um, and, uh, you know, which is different from like the industrial automation, which are great at what they do. But this is now about more human-like capability and the time is right for it. Well, I think that is going to definitely be an interesting next three to five years as we see this technology evolve and continue to become more and more a part of the construction workforce, um, working together to, to improve efficiency, but most especially improve safety on the job site. So really appreciate your, your time, Jorgen. I think this has been great information and thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you to our guest, Jorgen Pedersen with RE Squared Robotics for joining us. Tune in every week for another episode of the Groundbreakers podcast by 4constructionpros.com. Be sure to subscribe and share as we break more new ground together. Until next time.